0: Well, good morning, New Hope. Good morning. My name is John Dungannon. I'm the campus pastor at New Hope Community Church. And congratulations, we are the newest baby of the plant, church plants that we have here on the island, and we're just so um, grateful. And we just want to say thank you so much to Pastor Wayne, but also to John Burgess and the rest of the team, but especially to each one of you guys, because in the midst of the building campaign and building uh, parking and paving the lots and everything that you guys invested in a church plant in Aina Haina and you guys have poured into that and believed in that and so we're forever grateful and you know um, God is doing great things and the Lord is moving and the kingdom of God is advancing and uh, I won't get into the numbers but I will get into you be- of the stories of life change, because that's how we measure fruitfulness, amen? It's through stories of changed lives. And so um, when we started the church, there was a single mom that uh, saw the sign of, of VBS, Vacation Bible School, and she was working two or three jobs trying to make ends meet, and she brought her son to VBS. He gets... He he attends BBS, starts going to church. He gets saved. The mom gets saved. And they're connected, loving the Lord and and serving in ministry. And the cool thing is this, that uh, the kid had um, an assignment in school. And for English class, he had to write the definition of haven, which is a safe place, and to use it in a sentence. And then he wrote it. He submitted it to uh, the teacher. And then the mom gave it. Received it and shared it with us, the pastoral team, and says, Whenever my mom and I go to New Hope for church, it is a safe haven for us. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And that's only something that God could do, no, no person can take credit, no, nobody can take any credit for that, and what an incredible testimony. And so thank you so much. And we also just want to say uh, welcome to the acoustic and island-style venues. Could you give them a shaka? In the can- yeah. And just say thank you and welcome. And, um, you know, I'm known as the Filipino pastor who gives a Filipino word of the day, all right? If you don't know the genesis of it, it's basically um, taking just an English word, but just using the context of how a Filipino-American would say it, okay? (laughs) And um, it all started when I moved here from, I was born and raised in the Philippines, moved here May 1987, and I had, in third grade, I had to take an English proficiency test, whether they, I would go to a normal English speaking class or I would go to a special class, English as a second language. So they said, okay, John, do you know what a, a noun is? I'm like, it is a person, place, or thing. Oh, good, all right, you know, all right. Now, uh, there's this word, empire, like, you know, Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back. Can you use empire in a sentence? I'm like, ready, empire. <laughs> <laughs> now, come on. You have, to you have to explain. We're in Kalihi people. Come on. All right. So here's the Filipino word of the day. I got two for you. Number one, they're both uh, nouns, okay? One is pampers. You know, there's huggies, there's different diapers, there's the pampers, and then there's papers, the plural form of paper. How would a Filipino use that in a sentence? You know, when I drive my vehicle and it ran out of gas, I go to the gas station. But, you know, I don't pumpers, I papers. (laughs) Come on, come on. I'm trying here. Okay. All right. Anyways, can you guys open your Bibles? Are we allowed to have this much fun at church? Yes. All right. Open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And open your bulletins and pull out your sermon notes. Today we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer, part two. And in order for us to do that, hey, could we, is it okay? Could we do something a little bit different? Just in honor and reverence to God's word. Uh, could we all stand up? We do this at a uh, community church, but is it okay if we all stand up? If you're able to stand, please stand. And the scripture will be on the screens. It's also in your bulletins. And um, <clears throat> we could all read together. In the count of three, okay? One, two, three. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that this morning, oh God, your word is sharp. It's active, Lord. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That your word is preached and it does not return unto us void, but it accomplishes its purpose. Lord, that your word is, it cuts through, Lord God, unbelief in our hearts. That it cuts through lukewarmness and apathy And hardness of heart and callousness, O Lord Jesus. So, Father, I pray, O Lord, that this morning that you would perform a heart surgery in each one of us, O Lord Jesus. Lord, may we catch your heart, O God, of living as your kingdom people in victory. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see wonderful things from your law. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, have you guys heard about this uh, college football player? He was an All-American in college. Then he played well enough that he was drafted and he played in the NFL for a couple years, but then he had a couple of nagging injuries, and so he retired after a couple years. And But he went back to his alma mater, the college where he played for, but he came back as assistant coach, and he was a recruiter. Now, his job as a recruiter was to go out scout and look and recruit different players that they could be a part of the football team. But before he could go, before he went out in his first recruiting trip, he he checked in with the head coach. Now, this is the head coach whom he played for when he played in college, okay? And he said, hey coach, I'm about to go on my first recruiting trip, and I just wanna make sure that you and I were on the same page here um, What kind of players should we look for? Yeah? And he's like, okay. So the old coach, he was like like a veteran. He was like, he was old school, man, you know? He was an old fool from the old school. And he leaned back on his chair and he's like, son, I've been doing this for a long time. And I know, and over the years, I realized that there's different, different kind of players he goes, first, there's players that get knocked down and they stay down. We don't want that. He goes, oh, okay, knocked down. We don't want that. Okay, all right, good. He goes, but you find that there's players who get knocked down and they get back up and they get knocked down again and they get back up and they get knocked down again and they stay down. We don't want those players either. I was like, oh, okay, all right. He goes, but. There are some players that they get knocked down, and knocked down, and knocked down, and knocked down. And every time they get knocked down, they get right back up. And at this point, the young coach's eyes opened. And he said, all right, is that the type of player that we're looking for? And the coach said, no, we're looking for the players to be doing all the knocking down. (laughs) Now. May I submit to you New hope this morning that God is looking for Christians to be doing all the knocking down. We, as a people of the kingdom of God, we are to live in victory. Yes, we fall and we get up, and the righteous man gets up, you know, many times. But we have to come at a place where the Holy Spirit has filled us, that our heart has been renewed, and, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus in the reign and rule of God. And so the Lord's Prayer is important because the Lord's Prayer, it's, it hinges what kingdom living is all about. Why do I say that? Because in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the kingdom of God is like this, right? And he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And he starts, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. And he talks about what it is for the reign of God to be here on earth, that there's goodness, there's righteousness, there's justice, there's equity. And he talks about, hey, you know, people say this, but I tell you, even if you have, look at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've already committed adultery. And he says, this is the world, the kingdom of this world, but this is the kingdom of God. And we are to live in the reign and the rule of God. And then, so in chapter five, in chapter six, then he, there's the, Lord's Prayer, right? And after that, he starts talking about the kingdom of God. And the the key in in Matthew chapter 6 is living in secrecy. Secrecy? What does that mean? He says, hey, you guys, when you guys give, give in secret. Don't blow a trumpet. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. When you guys fast, don't look like, oh, I'm fasting. I'm so holy. Put some oil on your head and, and do it in secret. He goes, and when you guys pray, pray in secret. And then the rest of chapter 6 then, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, about retaliation, about reconciliation, about loving your enemies. So you see here, the technical term for this is chiasm. It's from the uh, Greek alphabet chi, which is like an X, okay? So it's like this, A, B, A. Think of it like a sandwich, a sandwich, okay? And you have the bun, A, you have the meat, B, and then you have the bun again, A. So kingdom of God, this is how we're to live, the Lord's prayer, and this is how we are to live. Does that make sense? So the, king, the Lord's prayer then, it enables us, it puts us in the right perspective, the right paradigm, the correct priority, and how we are to live victoriously as God's people. And what we have, Pastor John talked about it last week. The, the Lord's Prayer then, it could be broken down in six petitions, okay. all right? The first three, it's all about God, God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will, Right? The bottom three, it's about us, right? Our food, Lord, give us this day, our daily bread. Our forgiveness, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And our holiness, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so this morning, we're going to focus, and we're going to continue on the bottom three. And here's a real gem for you guys. I just got to drop it, okay? Is that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are calling for the triune God, the reality of the triune God. What do I mean by that? That in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit... When we say, give us this day our daily bread, what are we saying? God the Father is my provider. He's going to provide everything that I need to sustain here on earth. When we say, forgive us our debts, we're saying, God the Son, Jesus Christ, is the way that we have forgiveness. And when we say, lead us not into temptation, it is through God the Holy Spirit that we are to live as a people of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So... Number one, would you write down, regarding the Lord's Prayer, pray for God's daily provision and our personal contentment. Would you write that down? When we pray, when you just read out loud, give us this day our daily bread, what what we are saying in essence is that pray, God, provide for my needs daily and help me to be grateful and to be content. Now, um, how many of us have prayed for the, God, just give me enough food for today? I don't think we pray that God would provide. I think we pray, oh, thank you for this food. But we don't pray every day, like, don't give me enough for tomorrow or today or the day after. I think we just pray, Lord, it's just like, God, give me my daily bread. I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think we would pray, Lord, just give me enough money so that I can eat out a couple times a week. Can I get an amen? Right? Lord, I like go to Korean Gen Korean barbecue, all you can eat, lunchtime, right? Lord, a couple times a week I, I don't have to charge my credit card and go to Waikiki, wait two hours at Cheesecake Factory just to go eat. But Jesus says, if you are to live in the kingdom, we pray for daily provision, our daily bread. Do you guys remember when God delivered and rescued and set Israel free to be free from Egypt? And during the Exodus, God provided for them what? Manna from heaven. And when God literally rained down manna and it was everywhere, what was the instruction? You could have it, but what was the caveat to it? Take as much as you want. No, take as much as you need for today. What happened when your eyes grew bigger than your stomach and you wanted to hoard and keep more and become covetous and get extra bread? Oh, Oh, put it in your pocket. You know, just put it away. You know, and what happened when they started gathering for themselves for things that they don't need? It rotted and maggots and they couldn't eat it. See, the, the, you know, it's so ridiculous how blessed we are here in the United States. You know, my wife cleaned out the fridge last week, and it's like, you know, babe, you remember how our refrigerator was always full, but, you know, we'd have to go to the groceries again, and but it was always full. It's like, yeah? It goes, oh, I found three Costco rotisserie chickens that's like weeks and months old. It's just We keep putting it and putting it. I'm like, oh my gosh, forgive us, Lord. <laughs> Daily bread is not something on our prayer list. It's assumed, like it's a guarantee, like it's a given. Look at um, Psalm 104. Psalm 104, it says, These all look to you, meaning these all of creation, every fish in the sea, every bird in the air, every beast in the field, these all look to you, what? To give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take their breath, they die and return to dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Do you guys see it? All of creation, they look to God for daily bread, for a daily food. And it should be a part of our prayer life. That we depend on God every single day. I mean, we, we here in Hawaii, we could appreciate, and we know that all it takes is one good tsunami to cut off our water supply. And food from the mainland, right? That it takes one flood, one drought, One economic recession, one economic depression, and we were begging for food. You know, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9 says this it's on your notes, it's on the screen. Give me neither poverty or riches, but give me only what? My daily bread. Otherwise, I may too have, I may have too much. And I'll disown you and say, man, who is the Lord? Or I may become too poor and I'll steal and so dishonor the name of God. What happens when we ask for too much? We'll forget God's name. You know, First Timothy says that those who desire to get rich, which is all of us, <laughs> we panged ourselves with many inflicted wounds. That it's a trap. But if we, want, if we have too little, what's going to happen? We're going to curse God and we're going to steal. So, the, the point then is contentment. You know, growing up, I mentioned that I'm um, Filipino, but I was actually born in the Philippines in a small island in central Philippines called Ojongan Romblon, where no running water, no electricity. And talk about throwback Thursday or way back Wednesday. This is way back. This picture is 38 years old. I just turned 39 a couple weeks ago. But this is a picture of my family in Ujongarumblon. Uh, and my dad would ride all six of us in that motorcycle. CPS would have him arrested, right, and take it, taken away. No, <laughs> oh, that's negligence, bro, all right? And, um, oh, my dad looks like Filipino Elvis, yeah? <laughs> Look at those sideburns. Oh, Betty, sideburns. Anyways. Um, I'm the little one sitting in my mom's lap in the back. And growing up, my, my, my parents would talk about just God victories and testimonies. And, he, and one that I could distinctly remember is when my oldest sister, the firstborn, when um, my mom was giving birth to her, she was a little bit early, so my dad was out doing a Bible study. So they had to get a scooter, go around the island. Hey, pastor, your wife's about to give birth. And he's like, okay, and they weren't expecting it, and it wasn't payday yet, so they didn't have money for food. No running water, no electricity. No 7-Eleven, where you could just get pork hash in Manapua, right? No food land. So my dad is just like, oh, my gosh, Lord. Your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. I'm about to go home to my pregnant wife giving birth to our firstborn and we don't even have dinner, Lord. Please provide. Give us today our daily bread. And he was driving and, you know, it's a small little island a block away from the parsonage, which is a house in the church, a little cottage, a block away. He saw something scurry across the road and lo and behold... The choicest king crab <laughs> walks through, and scurries a crew, and just stands there, it's like, okay, God provided for me. You're gonna have to eat me, right? Okay. They look to God because He provided, okay? And it was like the best meal they've ever had. Do you guys see that daily provision and daily bread, just like tomorrow? Just like time, it is not guaranteed. It is not given. Every day is a gift. It's a, it's a grace from God. And so not only are we to live or to pray for daily provision, but we are to pray for contentment. We'd, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And Paul says, but godliness, with what? Contentment, it is a great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. From thus we came, thus we shall return. But if we have two things, what? Food and clothing, with these we will be what? Content. Now, could I—I want to bust a little bit of a myth MythBusters for you guys, okay? Could I debunk a myth about contentment, because we think contentment is the consolation prize. Do you guys remember the show The Price is Right? Yeah. yeah? And then they would always have that—that that music, right? When somebody would win the grand prize, ta-da, ding 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 ding, right? And they and the grand prize, you get a brand new car. Oh, right? But what happens when they didn't win the prize? They would have that sound. And with a tuba, ball. Instead of this car that you really wanted, you get a pair of socks. Congratulations. Here's your consolation prize. And oftentimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we think of contentment as a consolation prize. We really wanted this, but I'll settle for this, okay? I'll be content with what God has. Instead of being grateful for what we have. Pastor Wayne says, man, God is more concerned about your heart and your heart of gratitude just more than about anything else. God is concerned about us having a heart of gratitude. That, Lord, you're so good, you're so faithful, I don't deserve to live another day, oh, Lord God. Every day is a gift, and I woke up this morning, there's air in my lungs, my eyes opened up, Lord God, that I was able to have caffeine and coffee, Lord Jesus that I'm here in church worshiping you with my brothers and sisters and we get to do this forever, for all of eternity, oh Lord God. This is just a foretaste of things to come. You're so good. You're so faithful. You provide everything that I need. And thank you so much. So when you and I pray, give us today our daily bread. We pray for God's daily provision that we depend on him. But Lord, thank you. You are the main prize. What you've given me is the main prize. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number two, could you write down? Pray for God's forgiveness and the grace to forgive others. Pray for God's forgiveness and the grace to forgive others. In verse 12, it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, real quickly, the word forgive there is a Greek word, aphiemi, which, which means to let go or to permit. We're to let go or permit what? Our debts. What is our debt? That we owe God everything. In him we live, we move, we have our being. That God provides for us. That God loves us. That God sustains us. That he upholds us with his righteous right hand. That we're to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there's different words. There's different aspects of sin. One is anomia, which is lawlessness, against the law. But one aspect of sin is this Greek word hamartia, which simply means to miss the mark. That here's the bullseye. Here's the type of father that I want to be, but ah, oh, shucks, I missed the mark. Here's what God has called me to be as a wife, but man, sometimes I have a hard time submitting and I miss the mark. And sin is not necessarily, an aspect of sin is not necessarily being as bad as you could be the potential of being a sinful person. But an aspect of sin is just, shucks, man, I missed the mark. I fell short of the glory of God. I stumbled. And when we come before God, we are to ask, Lord, the guilt, the condemnation, the judgment, the shame, the embarrassment that you and I feel, we are to afie me. Let go and look up at the cross and know that there's a father who loves you. He looks at you as a son and daughter and says, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, in you I am well pleased. See, 2 Samuel says that the sacrifices of God are not broken are not bulls and offerings and blood, but the sacrifices of God are what? A broken and a contrite spirit. When we come before God with humility and gratitude and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I let my anger get the best of me. I let lust get the best of me. Lord, I've just been lazy. I'm just like... And when you ask for that forgiveness, you lay them down. And if you're taking notes, could you put in parentheses experiential forgiveness? That... Because we all know that what we feel is real, but sometimes our feeling does not reflect reality. Let me say that again. Our feelings are real, but our feelings sometimes don't reflect reality. When I feel abandoned by God, I feel forsaken, I feel unloved. Are those feelings real? Yeah, I feel it. But does it reflect reality? Know that God loves me. God accepts me. God forgives me. So, this area of forgiveness, I want us people, new hope, people of God, that we experience the pleasure of God, that God looks down on you and he, he bestows His favor on you as His son and His daughter. That we experience this, you receive this forgiveness, but you also give it. Unto others. Look at first John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. First John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. It's on your notes, it's also on the screen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you catch there that it doesn't say if we confess and tried our best? If we confess and try to be good, if you confess and try to go to church or do your devotions, read your Bible and pray, it's like, no, if you just confess, God is faithful, God is just, he's going to forgive you of your sins, let go of the weights that you're carrying, and he's going to purify you, he's going to make you clean, your conscience is clean, your heart is clean, your mind is clean, you experience the pleasure of the forgiveness of God. The satisfaction of knowing God and being loved by God. You know, one of my favorite uh, preachers is a guy named Charles Spurgeon. He's referred to as the Prince of Preachers. And this is what he says. When the devil opens his mouth in slander, it gives me an opportunity to ram the sword of truth down his throat. Because Revelation says what? That Satan, all day, all night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he accuses. He points his fingers. Why even try to go to church? You know what you did. Who do you, who do you, you're such a hypocrite. Who do you think you are? Look at you. Who do you. God doesn't even love you. Look how many times you've fallen and disappointed God and hurt God's heart. And he points and he accuses, but what we do with that is we get the sword of the Spirit and we ram it down his throat. Romans chapter 8 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west. Can you measure east from west? It's infinite. It's immeasurable. You can't measure it. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. That even though your sins are like scarlet and dirty and red, I will make you white and clean as snow. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14. For by one sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, he, God, has made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified. God has made you perfect for all of eternity. When He looks at you, experience the satisfaction of being a beloved son and daughter of God. Receive that forgiveness. Drink that in. Go deep in that well and feel the satisfaction of your, of your Heavenly Father in you. And once you get that forgiveness, what are we supposed to do? Forgive others. Let's look at our next text Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Man, I don't like this scripture. (laughs) But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Ouch. Truth hurts. I don't think we could really understand God's forgiveness, experiential forgiveness if we can't forgive others. Forgiveness is about what? me, let it, let it go. Amen. You know what unforgiveness is like? Harboring an offense. It's like holding, I actually ironed my shirt this morning, first time in like a long time. <laughs> it's like holding a hot iron. Pssst. Holding on to that and hoping that the other person gets hurt. But meanwhile, it's only us. Oh, the talk, think about me. You never know what they said about me. Oh, they never greeted me at church. Oh, they betrayed me in the time that I needed. We're holding on. We're holding on. We're holding on. It's eating us up alive. Forgive us our debts as we what? Forgive our debtors. So just... Let it go. Put it at the footstool of the cross. Lord, so much grace, so much mercy has been bestowed upon me, has been given to me. I receive it. Now I'm going to give it to others. And lastly, number three, we'll go ahead and close with this. Pray for holiness and deliverance. Pray for holiness and deliverance. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil why do we pray let me ask you guys is character and holiness and integrity is that a part of our radar in our prayer life you know radar blessing oh yeah Lord bless me oh health yes lord bless my health Oh, my kids, oh, Lord, tell tell them, Lord, teach them to obey me, right? Bless me, bless my work, bless my health, bless my family, heal them, heal this. But is holiness a part of our prayer language? Because the last petition in order for us to live in the kingdom of God is lead us not into temptation. You know... Ever since I started studying on the Lord's Prayer for the past month, I've been, when I get home, I pull up to our driveway. I take 30 seconds, maybe a minute, two minutes max. Inhale, exhale. Lord, help me to love my wife and to love my kids. Help me, Lord God. Give me strength, Lord. I want to walk in simple obedience to serve my children, Lord, because right now I am feeling entitled. And usually, oftentimes, if I don't pray that, I get into a house, and it looks like I have three boys, like the house exploded with just toys and Nerf guns, and I'm like, and then my eye starts twitching, and then my Filipino accent comes out. Ah! Right? And I start speaking in tongues. Ay, i <laughs> But I've been living in this place of prayer where it's just simple one-minute prayer. Lord, help me to love my wife. Lay down my life for her just as you, Jesus, lay down your life for the church. Help me to serve my children, O oh Lord God. I don't want to jump in the trampoline, Jesus, but they will need me. I'm tired. I'm entitled. I'm drained. But the Lord, help me. Give me the strength to jump on the trampoline. Hear their stories. How many of you guys are struggling in your workplace with your boss? Maybe your supervisor. Maybe it's a coworker. When you pull in, just pray the Lord's prayer. Lord, lead me not into temptation. You know, there's a theologian whose name is WGT Shred, who is a reformed theologian, and this is what he says. Sin is a suicidal action of the human will against itself. Let me repeat that so deep. Sin is the suicidal action of the human will against itself. What does he mean? That every time you and I sin, we're destroying our ability to resist that sin. That when you and I sin, we make it that much easier to do it again, and it makes it that much harder to avoid and resist that sin. Remember the first time you stole? First time you lied, cheated on an exam? Your heart rate's pumping, and you did it again. Oh, not a big deal. Oh, I'm cool. And then you're. It's self inflicting. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26 verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to pray, Lord, help me. Don't lead me into temptation, O Lord God. The enemy wants to sift me as wheat. He wants to destroy me. You, Lord, allow me to go through trials to strengthen and solidify my faith. Lord, but deliver me from the evil one, the accuser. As we come to a close, I have a question, rhetorical question. How, how badly do we want to know the truth? Because Jesus says, if you know the truth, if you know me, if abide in me, you know the truth, the truth what shall set you? Free. free. How badly do we want to know the truth? I mean, are we really like, for real kind, like, ready to embrace and handle the truth at all costs? How many of us us love spam? All right, raise your hands. All right. I love me that salty treat. Mm Mm-mm. Now, there's a meme about this. Uh, It's right over here. This is um, a normal blood cell, right? And there's a Filipino blood cell. Okay. It's also on this side. Now, How many of us want to know what Spam is really made of? No, uh uh-uh, right? Mm -mm, Mm-mm, la-la-la-la, right? Now, you could go to bed at night telling, oh, you know those little white sliver things, those fatty sliver things? Those are vitamins and nutrients. Those are vitamins and nutrients. But do we really know what it's made of? Do we really want to know what hot dog and the process to make hot dog? A dollar fifty at Costco with, with a drink? Come on. We really don't want to know, right? Now here's the truth for most of us regarding our prayer life. Are you guys ready? The truth about our prayer life is that we don't need to hear another sermon or read another book on prayer for us to have a better prayer life. Because our problem isn't a lack of information or proper theology. It's pride. Pride makes us pray less because it tells us the fake news that we'll be just fine without prayer. I pray, oh, I got a job. I got seniority in my workplace. No need to pray. I'm good. Oh, my kids, they're not into drugs. There's no teen pregnancy. I'm okay. Oh, my, my, my brother doesn't have cancer. Oh, my mom doesn't have diabetes, so I don't need to pray for anything. I'm okay. Oh, I need to pray for daily bread. It's there. I got a credit card. Max Charge it. Max it. We don't pray for forgiveness. We don't forgive others. And can I just tell you by the authority of God's word, we need prayer, the Lord's prayer, to live in victory as a people of God. Amen? Amen. It is our breath. It is our strength that we're connected to God where our priority, our paradigm about the kingdom of God and about the reign of God and the name of God, it overtakes us and becomes our fulcrum and our center, and we live that out, and we begin to be as kingdom people and live in victory. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord, he is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one.